0: Hallelujah, in your arms, Jesus.
1: Thank you, God. Just keep it going, just in his arms. Hallelujah, in your arms. I want to introduce to you and ask you to welcome back to the Alamo City pulpit our brother Rich Garza. Rich and Jan have been a part of Alamo City for many, many years. Their kids have been a part of things, but Rich travels all over this nation speaking to students with great effect power of the gospel, but also speaking to businessmen, discipling businessmen in small group Bible studies and, and helping to lead them uh, as he is invited to step into the circles of their influence and their lives and point them into the direction of a closer walk with Jesus. You are going to hear this morning a word fresh from Rich's heart. Uh, he's one of the preachers that that I want to listen to, that I want to speak into my life, because I believe he has something fresh from the heart of the Lord to say. Open your heart, be ready, and the next voice you're going to hear is our brother and our friend, Rich Garza.
0: Good to be home. My home church, 32 years, I believe it is. We, uh, Jan and I sh- showed up here, and uh, Brother Walker, I remember yesterday he was teaching out of the book of Ephesians, and uh, I said, Jan, this is where I believe the Lord wants us to be, and I just want to thank so many of you here that are this morning, here this morning, that have prayed for us. As Pastor said, I've baptized my children back there in the baptismal, they've been the Awana, and the Upward Basketball, and what a place this Alamo City's been, and we just look forward to the future of Alamo City Church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Good to see so many familiar faces. You, you haven't changed a bit. I've been spending some time up in Franklin, uh, Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, ministering with a group called Soldiers for Faith Ministry, and as Pastor said, talking to a lot of men, but you know, last year I told Pastor... God gave me a verse, uh, Psalm 71, now this is the way, you know, I speak out of my own tunnel. You know, I come from an athletic background and I memorize a lot of scriptures by guys I played with or played against and my old college number was 71 at Temple University in Philadelphia, Psalm 71, 18, some of you might remember a old Quarterback named Peyton Manning, he wore number 18. 7118, God, don't forsake me when my hair is white until I speak to the next generation about you. And I'm going to tell you, as so many of you know this morning, God is faithful to that word. He says in the psalm, he puts his word above his name. Man, that's something else. And I'm going to tell you, the Lord gave me that verse, I think it was back in about October of last year, and my phone started ringing off the hook and had opportunities to speak. But you know, I'm 64 now, so that next generation is not only middle school and high schoolers, but like Pastor said, men and women in the business world are that next generation, and we're telling them about Him. Amen. And I pray that would be an encouragement to you today. That last song, Falling in Love with Jesus. You know what Jesus said in his word? John 14, 21, 23. Those who love me, how do we know that we love God? What the it say in the word? Obey him. Those who love me, he said, obey me. And those who obey me, my father and I, will manifest our life, our presence in them. This is a little extra. This is not even in my notes, but I was just, when we sang that song, somebody say, "Boy, Rich, I, I don't feel the presence of God in my life right now. Based on God's word, obey the Lord. Obey the Lord because God's word says when you obey me, my Father and I, Jesus said, we're gonna manifest, we're gonna show up in your life. Amen. The word of God. Well, some of you maybe saw the the little promo about me coming and the title of the message. You know, people always want to ask in the video world, and and it's cool. You know, I'm all for that. People want to know a little title. Give me a title for your message and. You know, so many of the sayings we use in the world, secular world, come right out of the scripture. And here's one of them. Grow where you plant it. And that was the title for today, for my message today. Grow where you plant it. The first guy I thought about when I thought about that saying, grow where you plant it, was King David. In 1 Samuel 17, 17. When it said, occasionally, David took food and supplies and went to the front line and gave it to his brothers and King Saul as his father Jesse was up in age and he couldn't do it himself, so he sent David, who was a shepherd boy, we all know that, took care of the sheep, but it says occasionally, David went to the front lines, and guess what happened? He grew his planet, He's that nine-foot giant stepped out. And three times, if you read that story, so much in David and Goliath, but here's one of the things, sometimes I don't hear being taught that much, but God God brought it out to me, all glory to God. Three times in that passage, the soldiers told David what would happen to the one who killed the giant. Robe of purple for his family, royalty, tax-free for his family, and he would get the king's daughter in marriage. Three times, the Lord was saying, David, you're the man. David, grow where you plant it, David. This is what David did. Occasionally, he went to the front lines to give supplies. And God had an assignment for him, big assignment. You remember Saul said, you can't fight him. You're just a shepherd boy. And he said, oh, no, Saul, I remember you want to do a great word search in the Bible? Remember. I remember when I was tending my daddy's flock, the Lord delivered me from the pall to bear in the mountain of the lion, this uncircumcised Philistine, be nothing in the hands of the Lord. But the guy I really want to talk about today who, was, who grew where he was planted was the Apostle Paul. If you got your Bible, go to Philippians. We know that Philippians is... One of the books that Paul wrote in prison, he was locked up, he was locked up in a Roman prison. Some great verses that we've memorized over the years, one we we prayed for, my my wife and I have prayed for for our children for many, many years, continue to pray it, Philippians 1, 6, Paul said, I'm confident of this very thing. He, Jesus, who began the work, will complete the work until the day of Christ Jesus. Man, if we as believers would let that in, that we don't save anybody. Paul said in another part of Scripture, he said, some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. And we're going to talk about the gospel today. A lot of people know that word, learn that term, gospel. But you can't tell somebody something if you don't know it yourself. We that come to this place for 30-some years, we know what the gospel is. But there's many, many, many thousands watching this morning. I just want to make it clear for you today. Clear based on the scripture. Because Paul was locked up for being, for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why he was in prison. Rome hated Christians. They used them for lanterns and torches. They used Christians for sport. In the Colosseum, people would pack the Colosseum to see lions versus Christians. Again, they lit them on fire and Paul was in prison for preaching the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul in prison grew where he was planted. Amen. Look at Philippians 1, verse 12. Paul says, But I want you to know. Brethren, writing to Christians, writing to believers. Philippians are Christians in the city of Philippi. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things would happen to me, my imprisonment, me getting locked up. I love this word. Listen to it. That the things that happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance. Everybody say furtherance. I love that word furtherance of the gospel, the advancement of the gospel. Me being arrested, me put in prison has turned out for the furtherance, for the advancement of the gospel. Listen what happened. Look at 13. So that it has become evident to those to the whole palace guard and to all of the rest that my chains Are in service to Jesus Christ. I did a little research on this palace guard. These were 600 of the baddest dudes in Rome. I'm talking about Mean Joe Green, Deacon Jones, Ray Lewis, some of the baddest guys that played in the NFL. I'm talking about guys like the Navy SEALs. I'm talking about guys that are 7th degree black belts. I'm talking about the not only the biggest, the roughest, but the meanest guys that Rome had to offer. And they were in charge of Paul. For what? Because he was a mass murderer? No, for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how much they couldn't stand Christians. They put the top of the top, the meanest of the meanest, the baddest of the baddest, to guard Paul, and he says it's become evident. Some of you know I've spent a lot of time in prison, not as an inmate, but going to prison to speak. I spoke in prison my first time in California Youth Authority in 1987 with One of my mentors, good friend, Jerry Balzwick out in Turlock, California. I didn't tell the first group this, but I had the pleasure of preaching on death row in Raleigh, North Carolina. Been in hundreds of penitentiaries. I went to prison uh, to speak many times with a guy named Murph the Surf, Jack Murphy. His uh, story was on the Life magazine. He stole the Indian star of David in New York, got away with it, but he went down to Miami where he lived, and he was bragging about it on on the beach and went to prison for 21 years. Murph was like a celebrity in prison. He would tell stories, and some of you might know about Al Capone's time in prison. He had couches and ottomans and special treatment in prison. Paul could have been one of these guys, like Murph and Al Capone. He going go in there telling those Pharisee stories. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. We know his testimony read it in Philippians 3, House of Benjamin, Pharisee to Pharisee, taught under the, one of the great rabbis of his day. But Paul said something in 2 Corinthians 2.2. 2. I know nothing. But Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and rose again. Philippians 3, he says, All those things, all those awards, all those data boys, all those trophies, all the things that I lived as a Pharisee, I consider it what? Rubbish. Dung. That I may know Christ. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Paul's in prison because of the gospel. And when he got to prison, he didn't stop sharing the gospel. How many know those guards that I just told you about, those bad, du- those bad mean dudes that were watching them? They, weren't, they didn't work 24 hours a day. There was 800 of them. They worked just like our guards in prison worked in what? Shifts. So when two came and were put against, put next to Paul, chained next to Paul, eight hours, whatever their shift was, two more came after them. And the Bible says it was evident. Paul won one of these celebrity prisons, even prisoners, even though he could have been. He came with an objective. He came to grow where he was planted. And it was for the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says it became evident. Everybody he met. These guards. Bad dudes. I'm thankful for a guy named Doc Eshelman. He was the guy who started the pre-game chapels in the NFL in the late 60s. And when I met him in 83, he was well in his 60s. And no brag, but... We're all football players. Some of us could bench press 500 pounds. And Doc came to speak to us April 30th, 1983, before a game in Tampa Bay, Florida. Old gentleman, but bold as a lion. And he didn't tell us little Bible stories, he looked us in the eye and he says, You guys are sinners, man. You were born a sinner, you didn't become a sinner, you were born a sinner. And he laid the gospel on us in April thirtieth, 1983, my third year professional football. The gospel changed my life. turned me inside out, dropped public speaking three times at Temple University. And Temple University in Philadelphia, every time it was me and the other football player, and we knew it would have you, you'd get up random for classes, and after about the third class, there was only two dudes left. It was me and the other football player, and I'd go in there with a drop slip. Dropped the class, never took public speaking. Some people say the biggest fears of men and women are dying in public speaking, and some people put public speaking over dying. That's where I was. But all glory to God, I've given a talk like this now all over the world. 47 states, Canada, Mexico, Barbados, South Africa, Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, over 5,000 times. The gospel of Jesus Christ changed my life. Changed my life, not from the outside. I was already changed from the outside. Changed me from the inside out. Changed me from the inside out. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I know nothing. But Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and rose again. I want to talk to you about the gospel today. If you turn over to the left to 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul gives, you know, my, I used to share my testimony, my mom and dad couldn't tell me what they didn't know themselves. My mom and dad knew religion. That's what they taught their kids. And I pray today that today everyone listening, everybody here today, would know what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing. And so many translations say faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But the real translations in the Greek language, here's what it says. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the story of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the story of Jesus Christ. Yes, we love Noah and Jonah. We love the stories of the Bible. But the gospel, the one that Paul preached in prison, is the story of Jesus What Jesus did. What Jesus did. And he confirms it here and affirms it in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, Moreover, brethren, again, writing to Christians in Corinth, now I declare to you the gospel. Which I preached to you, which also you received. Paul preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Corinthians received it. Everybody say received it. We know that verse. My pastor has taught it so beautifully and I use it all the time in evangelism. John 1, 12 uses that same word receive. For as many as receive Jesus, for as many as appropriate Jesus, take Jesus to yourself and call him your very own. To him or her, he's given the right, the authority to be called children of God. We're not all God's children. We're all God's creation. It sounds real good when you hear somebody say, we're all God's children, we're all God's children, we're not all God's co- children, we're all God's creation. John 1:12 says, "For as many as receive Jesus, appropriate Jesus, take Jesus to yourself, call him your very own my shepherd," David says, "My Lord, to him or her He's given the right, the authority to be called children of God." And Jesus showed us how to do it. You remember the story of the woman at the well. Great picture, great example of evangelism. Jesus is tired, sits down at the well. Woman comes to feed, comes to get the water. And Jesus begins a conversation with her. Grow where you plant it? And she, he begins to talk to her and she begins to get really religious. And talk that religious talk. We've all probably experienced that as believers. You tell somebody you're the chaplain or you tell somebody you're a minister or you tell somebody where you go to church and then they begin to get religious and they begin to talk religious and she began to say, Jacob feather watered his animals here and you you Israelites, you worship at this temple or this mountain. Jesus said to her, go get your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. And he said, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the one, you, one you're living with is not your husband. Jesus went to the, her problem, if you will, And every man, woman, boy, and girl that follow after Adam and Eve, we have a problem. It's called sin. We're sinners. We're born sinners. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you get paid for being a sinner. There's a wage for being a sinner. Romans 6.23, the wages of being a sinner is what? Death. Total separation from Jesus Christ in a place called hell where you never sleep. There's no getting out. It's a place of torment forever and ever and ever and ever. How many know that's some bad news? But how many know you got to hear bad news before you hear good news? Good news isn't good news until you first hear the bad news. Jesus showed us how to do it. Mercy and truth. He said, go get your husband. And she went back to the town. And the Bible says she went back and told the men. He told me everything I did. Jesus changed her life. Listen to what Paul says. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received... And in which you stand, and also by which you are saved. Faith comes by hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Faith comes by hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. For I delivered to you first, everybody say first. Verse 3, I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. I received it. I received the Lord. I received the gospel. Can't tell somebody something you don't know yourself. I've received the gospel that Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. There was no New Testament when Paul's writing. The scripture, I've got a book in my library, Jesus, in every book of the Old Testament. Isaiah 50, 53, some call it the fifth gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Isaiah 53 talks about the suffering Messiah, or something if you ever want to look up, Campus Crusade, the Jesus film, 50 prophecies of the Messiah in the Old Testament. The gospel is in the Old Testament and the new. The gospel of Jesus Christ. I declare to you first of all, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. And that he was buried, verse 4. First, first Corinthians 15, verse 4. And that he was buried. And that he rose again on the third day according to the scripture. Psalm 16, you can look at Psalm 16, talks about the resurrected Messiah and that he was seen by Peter, then the 12. After that, he was seen by over a thousand, 500, here it is, brothers and sisters in Christ. See, when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't show himself to non believers. We might say in the flesh, and maybe you hear people say, man, if, if they would just see a miracle, they'd come to Christ. They just saw a miracle. When Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't show himself to non-believers. He showed himself to Peter. You remember Peter's situation before Christ, right? Went to the cross, denied him three times, went back to fishing. Jesus showed himself to Peter. I'm alive, Peter. And he showed him to 500 believers. Why? Because these 500 believers, the 12 apostles, Peter, were going to turn the world upside down. And the Pharisees, the religious folks of the day, the ones with the upside down collars of Jesus' day, they said in Acts 4, he said these folks were not trained in our schools, but here it is, but they were with Jesus they turned the world upside down. He showed himself to believers. He didn't show himself to non believers. A miracle wasn't going to bring a non believer to Christ because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the story of Jesus Christ. He's never going to change that. Psalm 119.89 says the Bible settled in heaven. It's not going to change. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. The means that a man, woman, boy, and girl comes to Jesus Christ, is saved, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that Christ was born, lived a perfect life, was crucified as the perfect sacrifice, and three days later rose from the dead, showed himself to the twelve and five hundred believers. And here it is, folks, one of my favorite words in the Bible. A few words in the Bible. Whosoever. Whosoever receives Jesus will not Go to hell, but have everlasting life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man, no woman, no boy, no girl will go to heaven, but through faith in me. Jesus said in Matthew 11:28, come to me. Spoke, speaking to the most religious people that ever lived, the Jews. The, the Pharisees had the Ten Commandments and put 600 man-made commandments on top of the Ten Commandments. And he, they were lording it over the people of Israel. And Jesus comes to those religious people and he says, come, Matthew 11:28, 28, come to me. And here's the way This regional language, original language. I'll rest your soul. Boom. Come to me. Faith in me. And I'll rest your soul. Then he says, take my yoke. Be a learner. Learn from me. Peter in Acts 2, filled with the Holy Spirit, Pentecost has come, he preaches, 5,000 come to the Lord, 7,000 come to the Lord. Believers were baptized, and what does it say? They were together. For what? The instruction in the apostles' doctrine. Breaking bread together, praying together, going to church together. The gospel first, learner Second. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. Jesus said, I'll rest your soul. Now be a learner. Take my yoke. My yoke's easy. It's pleasant because I come to live inside you now through the Holy Spirit. And I unction you. I move you. I tell you, I move you to go to church. I move you to study the Bible. I move you to testify of my goodness. It's not bite your lips, snap yourself in the face, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. The old college try. No, that's religion. Jesus, speaking to the most religious people that ever lived, said, come to me, I'll rest your soul. Whosoever, whosoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life. I was speaking in a penitentiary in Southern California and got done speaking on a platform. Young man came to me, tattooing every part of his body, his head, eyes, nose, neck. Said Mr. Garza, God could never forgive me for what I did. He had a double life sentence, only in his twenties. I said, bro, let me tell you my favorite words in the Bible. Whosoever. I said, I'm not here to get you off your double life sentences, but eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And ever. Young man came up in the first service. Larry and I had a chance to pray with him. Heard me speak 10 years ago in the prison here in Texas. So I was coming to speak. He wanted to come and say hello to me. Larry and I got to pray for his mom and his grandmother not doing well. Whosoever, whosoever believes in Jesus, receives Jesus, will not perish. But have everlasting life. The gospel of Jesus Christ needs, we need to know it, brothers and sisters. We need to know it so we can share it. So we can tell others about them. Yes, the teachings of the scripture are awesome. Love them builds us up, strengthens us. But as I was saying in my prayer in the first service, the greatest thing about this old book, yes, it teaches us how to be men, how to be women. Yes, it teaches us all this stuff that is happening in our world today. Psalm 139 says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. God doesn't make mistakes when he calls me a man and my wife a woman. Tells us how to deal with our money. Tells us how to respect authority. Tells us how to do church. Is all in there. But the greatest thing, the greatest thing about this whole book, it tells us how a man, woman, boy, and girl could spend forever and ever and ever in a place called heaven. The greatest thing about this Bible, yes, the last book that, that Paul wrote was 2 Timothy before he was martyred, before he was executed. And he wrote it to his young protege buddy, Timothy, who was a preacher, young preacher. And he told Timothy, preach the word, in season and out of season. He said, all scriptures inspired by God for teaching, instruction, rebuke, rebuke. The man or woman of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. But he told Timothy, a preacher, local church, Ephesus, Timothy, yes, teach the Word. Yes, teach the Word. But do the work of an evangelist. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, the evangelist is still in this book. The evangelist is still a gift. Whether folks like it or not, Oh, we've had false conversions and we've had... The Bible is true. And there's the gift of an evangelist. And what does an evangelist do? Tell non-believers the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't let folks leave our worship without hearing the gospel. It's not the stories of the Bible. The gospel is what we just read. Jesus paid the price for our sins. And whosoever receives Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life. Those who appropriate, take them to themselves. ABC, admit they're a sinner, believe Jesus died for them, took their place, took took our place, and confess, we're going to live for you the remainder of our life. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul was locked up for preaching the gospel, and when he got locked up, did he stop preaching the gospel? let me tell you, we've had our times. We've had our times to tell a story from the Bible other than preaching the gospel. But folks, you got to dig your heels in. You got to take a deep breath, even though that devil's right there on your shoulder telling you, don't. oh, you don't have to be that strong with them, man. You don't have to tell them all that. Just tell them about Noah. Just tell them about Jonah. West Palm Beach. I remember like it was yesterday. Ernest and Julio Gallo were in the audience. And it was my turn to speak. No, no, no brag, folks. Let me tell you. God will give you opportunities. Be ready. Be ready in season and out of season. Grow where you planted, but know the gospel. Jesus died for us according to the scripture. He was buried and he rose again and showed himself to the twelve and five hundred believers because they were the ones that were going to turn the world upside down. Miracles. You remember the parable of the rich man in Lazarus? You remember that story? The rich man goes to hell. Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. And the rich man can see him. And he says, Abraham, Father Abraham, I've got five brothers living the way I lived. Will you send somebody from heaven to tell my brothers? Will you send someone, that mir- send a miracle from heaven to tell my brothers? And they'll change. And you remember what Abraham said? Abraham said, No, my man. Your brothers have Moses. Who does Moses represent? The Word of God. And your brothers have the prophets. Who do the prophets? Preachers. No miracle. No one's coming from the dead to your brother's are going to change their life. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing the story of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I don't know, Paul was, could tell the stories, man. But he said, I consider all those stories, all those accolades, all my education, dung, waste, Rubbish that I may know Christ. And I come to you Corinthians. One word. Jesus crucified, died, and rose again. And whosoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life. Go back to Philippians and I want to show you what happened because of Paul. Preaching that gospel, verse thirteen, so that it was it's become evident that the whole palace guard and to all the rest of them that are in chains, that my chains are in Christ's service. Verse fourteen, and most of the brethren in the Lord, most of the brethren in the Lord, other believers having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. I started coming here with my family in 1990. I remember Billy Hobbs dedicated a couple of our children. And you know, they put in the program, we're going to the abortion clinic and Jan and I would go, maybe pushing a stroller back then and, man, that's Pastor Walker over there. That's Billy Hobbs over there. Then he put something in a program and we're going down to the inner city. We're going to serve hot dog and raspas and we're going to preach the gospel in the inner city. We get down there. I get down there. Jan and I get down there and there's David Guyon over there. There's the pastor there again. There's Troy McDaniel. These are the leaders. Ken, Ken Carter, some of you might remember. What am I trying to say? Paul showed by example, and other believers were encouraged to do the same. Folks, they did not like Christians at this time. But Paul's witness in prison to these musclehead, mean, navy-sealed, five, ten-degree black belts. It encouraged other believers to do the same, to be bold in their faith. You know, Hebrews 10.24 says that we're to stir up, stimulate each other as believers. Stir us up, stimulate each other to good works, to live like a believer. And I love this one. Some of you know my favorite chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, 119, 176 verses. David's love for the Word of God. In verse 74, I'm paraphrasing. David says, those who love you, O Lord, will be glad when they see me coming because I hope in your Word. Believers are glad when they saw David coming because David lived it, man. David lived it. David spoke it. Paul said the other believers in jail, the others in Rome, they're bold now for their faith. They're fearless for the faith. Even though they're using Christians as torches, even though they're using them as sport in the Colosseum. My witness to these big old. Mean palace guard strapped to my arms. Eight hours later, two more are getting it. Not fancy stories. Not smoothing them so I could get a little bit more better food or a nicer place in prison. Not some superstar treatment in prison. No, Paul said it become evident. It's become evident that I'm in prison. For preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those other believers are getting encouraged because they hear me preaching. To these, not, not to the little guys, to these big dudes. MS13s. Aryan Brotherhood. Death Row. Ernest and Julio Gallo. CEO of, you name it. NBA players making $40 million a year. What do you tell those guys, Rich? Same thing I tell the guys under the bridge. Same thing I told Julius Ernest and Julio Gallo. Same thing I told 4,000 public school kids. Faith in Jesus Christ alone changed my life. And he could do the same in you. They overcame him, they, who? Believers, overcame who? Satan. By the blood of the Lamb. Faith in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and the word of our testimony. The word of our testimony. Heard guys say, man testimony ain't nothing to do with the gospel. Well, yeah, if my testimony that God gave me a house or my testimony about God healing me from sickness, but a salvation testimony, hello, should have the gospel in the saving testimony. Am I right? Because how could you get saved if someone didn't share the gospel? Does it make sense? I got to make sense. My heart is to make sense. You can't tell somebody your salvation when you got saved if the gospel's not in your sal- salvation testimony. It's like the blind man. A, I admit I was blind. B, I believe in Jesus. I met Jesus. Someone told me about Christ. C, now I see. I was blind, sinner. Met Jesus. Someone shared the gospel with me. I received the Lord. And now I see. He's changed my life. Remember the demoniac? Chains couldn't hold him in the tombs. Jesus set him free and he wanted to travel with Jesus. He wanted to go with him. What did Jesus say? No. You go back to your family just like the woman at the well, she didn't go back to tell the women. She went back into town and told the men. She went back and told the ones she was hanging around with. He said to the demoniac, go back and tell your family. I remember like yesterday, when I said amen to that prayer, April 30th, 1983, in that Marriott Hotel, the first people I thought about, I got to go tell my mom. I got to go tell my dad. I got to tell my three brothers and my sister. And I thought about my two, my four grandparents that were already gone. I said, I got to go tell the ones that are living about the Lord. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the story of Jesus Christ. A, B, C. Admit. Believe, confess, admit you're a sinner, believe Jesus took your place, and see, confess it with your life, confess it with your mouth, confess it with the way you live, that's how you know, that's how you know, and when those trials and tribulations have come, like, the Lord promised us in John 16, told his disciples in this world, you will have trials and tribulations. We go back to the cross. We still sin as believers. We ought to sin less, amen? We're not sinless, but we ought to sin less. That's how you know you're a believer. But the great promise to believers, 1 John 1, 1 1.9. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sin, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That wasn't written to non-believers. That's written to believers. We still sin, but we ought to sin less. That's how you know. That's how you know. That's how you know the spirit of Jesus lives inside of us. He's not an it. He's a person that the Bible says could be grieved, could be quenched. And what we do, when we live contrary to our belief, it grieves the Holy Spirit. That's how you know you're a believer in Jesus. I'd like everybody to bow your head where you're at right now. And everybody listening to us on stream, YouTube channel. might be somebody here today you're listening to me I was 25 when I received the Lord I'd gone to college in the big city of Philadelphia for five years I was in my third year of pro football I tried everything the world had to offer times two and I knew it was God because nothing had ever made me feel the way I was feeling that day in that chapel when I received the Lord See, to her, guys say it's kind of like a checker game. God allows us to put ourselves in checkmate with all those decisions and choices we make. He just allows us to keep putting us in the place where it's over, man. I tried it all. I did it all. Nothing. Nothing. I'm not fulfilled. Tom Brady. 60 Minutes a few years ago, married to a woman who's a model, makes more money than him, Super Bowl rings. And he looked the audience in the eye and he said, there's got to be more to life than this. I said it so many times as a pro football player for three years. There's got to be more. If that's you today, sir, ma'am, young man, young lady, you watching today, it's the Lord. Let me tell you. He said, Today's the day of salvation. Tomorrow's the devil's day. Today is the day of salvation. Just tell him what he already is. It's not about a prayer. Jesus chastised Samuel in the Old Testament. He says, man looks at the outward appearance. I look at people's hearts. It's not about your prayer. It's about your heart. But the Bible says, out of the abundance of a heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. That's how we know what's in our heart is what comes out of our mouth. So if in your heart today, the heart, it's the Lord. I knew it was the Lord in my life. I knew. Nothing ever made me feel that day. Just tell Him, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner, Lord. I've been living without you. I've been trying to do it my way. I receive you. Tell Him, I receive you by faith. What you did for me, what you did for me, tell them, me. Lord, I want to live the rest of my days for you. And when I die, tell them this, it's true. When I die, I'm going to heaven. Not because I'm a good guy. Not because I'm a good woman. I'm going to heaven because today, July 17, 2022, my trust is in what you did, not what I could do. My trust is in what you did. I receive what you did for me. Everybody's head down, eyes closed. Anybody this morning say, Rich, today is my day, Rich. Just lift up your hand as high as you can lift it. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Been praying for y'all, man. So many others have been. You can put your hands down. And you folks listening, Watching in your home, your car. Some of you might know me personally. Put a little something in the chat. Put a little something, a heart, thumbs up. Today would be an awesome word to put in that chat on our live stream. Just put it there. Today. Be the first to confess it to us here at Alamo City. Today, he told that old thief. You remember the thief? Look at Matthew, both thieves were cussing the Lord. You can lift up your heads if you want. Both thieves were cussing the Lord. The Bible says... But something happened to that one thief on the cross. Some theologians say when he pulled himself up to take a breath, he saw all over Jesus' head, Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews. Something happened to that thief on the cross because he went from cussing him to saying to the other thief, we deserve what we get. The wages of sin is what? Death. I deserve this. I'm a sinner. I deserve death. He's innocent. There's only one innocent, and that's God. And then he said, a lot of people think this is the only thing Jesus, the thief said, was this what I'm about to say? Jesus, remember me when you're going to your kingdom. That's not the only thing he said. First thing he said, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I deserve this. He's innocent. He's God. Jesus, remember me when you go into your kingdom, folks. If you got a kingdom, you must be king. And Jesus did not say, get off the cross, put on a three-piece suit, and go preach in the streets of Jerusalem. He did not say, get off the cross and go feed the poor. What was that word Jesus said? Today. 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 Admit it you were a believer, believed I died for you, believed I'm God and I'm Lord. And Jesus said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. You're not going, you're not going to a holding tank for a couple hundred years so your friends could pray you out, pay money for you to get out. Not in there. Sorry, Hebrew says once to die. Then the judgment. Once to die. Adolf Hitler. He sure enough knows who Jesus is today. Because he said every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess. Some's going to do it here on earth, and they're going to heaven. But everybody's going to confess that Jesus is Lord. Father, thank you for another day. Thank you, Lord, for life. Thank you for the life in our bodies. Thank you for this old book, Lord, the Bible. Help us to love it. Help us to cherish it. Help us to obey it, study it, and tell others about you, about it. And, Lord, let us never forget today, myself most included, oh, God, the gospel. That Jesus died for our sin according to the Scripture. He was raised from the dead according to the Scripture and showed himself to believers. Oh, God, thank you for doing what you do best, Lord. Save your name is Savior, Rescuer, Jehovah, Savior. Larry, the other prayer, team members, come forward. If we could pray for you. Always like to say, don't leave the same way you came in. You got something burdening burden you, we'd love to pray for you, with you. And it's so good to be back at my home church. Thank you all for praying for me and my family. I just can't thank you enough for giving so we can go, so others can go. You know, Romans 10, that same passage, says God's people should give to God's work. You shouldn't be begging the world to help pay for God's work. God's people should give to God's work. How would they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they're sent? We're all in it together, folks. We're the body. We're the body. Amen.